Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. No one in my life ever imagined that I would leave Goldman Sachs. Like no one, everyone around me thought I was going to stick to it. I was going to be the MD, which is a managing director and really showcase myself in this company. Right. But there was a fine line and that was the line, my compensation, my mental health, my efforts, essentially my value. I was like, that's something you can't take from me, my value. Because if I know what it is, if I know what I'm dedicating myself to, and you can't compensate me for all of that, then no, no. So this is what sparked a side hustle. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and you're listening to episode 119, When Your Job and Your Side Hustle Collide with Lea Landa Verde of Riqueza Wealth. Lea Landa Verde is a queer, first-gen, Latina entrepreneur, master of finance, podcaster, and owner of Riqueza Wealth Coaching. She's on a mission to bridge the wealth gap between the BIPOC and LGBTQ plus community and wealth. 
As the daughter of an immigrant, Leah saw the financial failures and sacrifices her family had to go through to live the, quote, American dream. And because of that, she pushed herself into the financial literacy at the age of 15. By 19, Leah had her bachelor's in finance and began working at Goldman Sachs, where she learned the ways of how large corporations and millionaires make money. Deep down, Leah knew who she really wanted to serve, and after four years, she chose to pick her passions over her paycheck to help her community become wealthy. Leah is changing the way that women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus see money by teaching them how to align, build, and grow their riqueza. You can check out Leah's new podcast, Mi Riqueza, wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you know anything about my story, you know that I started side hustling eight years ago. And one of the first things that I had to think about was, do I actually want to tell my employer about what I'm doing? I decided that it was not an option for me. It was none of their business, especially because I was doing things that were outside of the scope of my work. But that's not always the case. I have a lot of personal finance enthusiasts and creators that follow my platform, and many creators who are building their own side hustle while working full-time can feel like maybe they have to disclose what they're doing to their employer, especially if it's in a related industry. So if you're wondering what could happen if you end up in a scenario where maybe your side hustle becomes a conflict of interest for your job, you definitely don't want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list, and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Leah, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Hola, thank you. <laughs> All right, so let's start off with an intro. Tell us who you are. Well, my name is Leah Landa Verde. I am a first-gen queer Latina wealth coach. I help the LGBTQ and BIPOC community really align, build, and grow their riqueza. I love it. Okay, first, let's start off with talking about your family's relationship with money growing up. What did you learn about money as a child? I'm a daughter of immigrants, so this whole concept of money was very was very Don't limited. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm very lucky. My parents were entrepreneurs, so they entered the United States with struggle because they didn't know this financial system. So they met at separate times, but growing up, I watched my dad run a landscaping business and I watched him hustle. I mean, every Saturday and Sunday, he was out there trying to make money to 
put a roof over our head and food on the table because I think as the Latinx community, that's kind of what we've kind of grown up to know is that we're, we see success as long as we have a roof over our head and food on the table. And so this concept of money was at first, I never questioned it because my dad really struggled and really worked really hard to give me the life that he wanted to give his kids. But like this whole conversation of money never really existed, right? But when I look back, it was dinero is not always abundant, is not always available. You have to really work hard, hustle to get money. That was like my definition of money. So what was your mom doing too? Because you mentioned she was an entrepreneur as well. She was helping my dad in the background, doing the bookkeeping, answering the phone calls, the invoicing, essentially the secretary. I think that was mm-hmm. her whole entire dream just because she was also limited. She's undocumented and she couldn't get a job elsewhere. I think she worked at McDonald's once for a little bit, but I didn't think it lasted very long. And so she was very limited on the opportunity she could have. I think that's interesting because I think a lot of us, when we think of the word entrepreneur, we think of like white dudes. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, <laughs> that's what an entrepreneur is. And then everybody else is like self-employed when it's just like, first of all, same shit. But second of all, I think for our communities, it's like you are an entrepreneur because you have to be, because there is no other opportunity. Rich white kids can be like, mom, I don't want to go to college. That's boring. I want to go start a fucking internet business. And it's just like, we are not the same. Our motivations mm-hmm. are not the same. And so I think it's so important to have that lens of entrepreneurship where it's like, My grandmother on my mom's side lost her job after 30 years of being a seamstress and so took her skills as a seamstress and started her own business where she's doing tailoring and alterations and shit. Why? Because she had to. There was no other option. Same thing with my grandmother on my father's side. She had a third grade education. So the only thing she could do is like sell shit to people Like, because what else are you going to do? So I think there's like this certain myth of privilege that it is to be an entrepreneur. And in our community, it's not always because we just have these lofty goals and we don't want to work for anybody. It's like, we got to do this shit because that's the only way we're going to pay the fucking bills. Yeah, we have no other option. Like same with my parents. My dad went to third grade and my mom only went to eighth grade. So their skill sets were also very limited. They didn't have these options to say, oh, I'm going to go become an electrician or I'm going to work for an internet company. Like these options weren't there for them because all they knew was hard work, working outside or working in whatever job will take them essentially. A lot Mm -hmm. of our community ends up going into factories or blue farm jobs. Yeah, and farming as well, because no tenemos de otra. There's no other way, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so seeing that perspective as a child, how did that influence your career choices? And what did your early adulthood look like? Yeah, so the entrepreneurship life was rocky. I'm the eldest daughter, so I have that older daughter syndrome too, right? And I feel like I have to take (laughs) care of my parents. They relied on me on a lot of things. They relied on me to read the documents, go to the bank with them, help translate, answer phones, anything. I mean, I remember being five years old saying, hello, X and Y, Z landscaping. How can I help you? Doing as much as I could to help my parents. And the recession also proved a lot to my family and showed us that really we had no idea how this financial system worked. And... 
Essentially, we lost our house. We foreclosed on our house. This was in the 2008 recession. Yes, 2008 recession. When a recession happens, it's not instant. It takes the years after, the aftermath essentially is when you really feel the hit of a recession. And so we started seeing the little things. The car was taken. It was repoed. All of a sudden, the food was as limited. We weren't going out as much. We weren't getting toys as much. All of a sudden, the water was cold and it wouldn't get hot. All of a sudden, we didn't even have water. And I was like, this isn't adding up. So that to me was like, oh, we're entering poverty. Like we're entering being this poor, right? Because we can't even pay the bills to keep the lights on and the water on. And so my dad had a serious conversation with us kids and he said, we're losing the house and we have to be out by X day. It's getting foreclosed. And to me, that was a sign of abuse from the financial system. I built an anger towards this American lifestyle because no one could teach my parents the things they needed to know in order to live in the society. Because they migrated from El Salvador, man. They were making $5, $10 a day. My mom lived in El Campo, and my dad was selling newspapers and tomatoes growing up. Like, that's what he knew. And so I built this sort of anger and sense of fuel, fire, to say, okay, I don't understand what's going on, nor does my parents. And they are constantly getting scammed or abused in this financial system because they don't know any better. If someone sold them a product that said they were going to guarantee a 20% return, they'd take it because they don't know any better without a question. Yeah, And so that to me really impacted me and was like, okay, Leah, this is your shot and this is your time to really focus on school and understand this financial system. Mm-hmm. So talk about your career and what that decision led up to as far as you deciding I'm going to be the force for change in my family. Yeah. So I was around 12 years old and my dad came to me and put his arm on my shoulder. I remember this very clearly for the rest of my life because this is the moment, right? He came to me. He said, Leah, tienes que ser inteligente, which translates to Leah, you need to be smart and intelligent. He's like, I don't want you to go through what I'm going through. So whatever you do in school, I need you to be smart and I need you to be independent so you don't have to watch and relive what I've gone through. And for me, that was the seed that sparked this fuel, right? And lucky enough, and I'm very blessed, there was this program called Success Academy at my middle school, which was a college high school. So I was around the age, I was around 14, about to enter high school at 15. And I could apply to this type of program where I would get my two years of my college education free while attending high school. And I applied and I'm very grateful that I was accepted through merit and through essays and everything, right? That allowed me to enter the college system a little bit early and really see what it was all about. When I entered the college education system and I was 15, studying college math, math 1010, science 10, all these things, I was discovering that there's majors, right? You can major in finance, business, art, 
science, technology. You have all these majors in college. And I didn't even know this concept. I'm a first-gen Latina. This whole college idea didn't exist to me. And so some counselor came and talked to me and was like, hey, what are your majors? And I didn't want to be in business because I needed to understand what the heck happened to my family because it just didn't make sense. Why was the financial system this way and the way my parents reacted? Was there a way that they could have overcame this, right? So I'm very protective and I'm a caregiver. So my cancer side of me was like, I need to know what this means. And I kind of explained that to a counselor, my story. And she was like, you need to study finance. That's the only way you're going to get an answer. So that was my major. And after four years, I mean, I graduated high school with an associate's in business. And then a year and a half later, I got this bachelor's in finance because I wanted to understand the theory. And trust me, in my ethics class, in my classes, I would tell my story. I'd be like, the recession ruined my life. (laughs) And I'd be crying up there. So people knew that for the underserved communities, this was more than just all of a sudden the stocks dropped and all of a sudden people lost their jobs. Like For me, it was real. For me, it was I lost my home. For me, my dad went bankrupt. For me, it was more than that. We didn't have a place to live after my house was gone. We had to ask my cousin to give us a spare room for six of us. And to me, this whole financial realm was eye-opening because I realized that the financial system was never made for us. Mm. Let's dive into that. How old were you when you graduated? Like 19? Mm -hmm. With a college degree? Yes. So you were out here in these streets with a college degree at 19. Where did that lead you career-wise? So that led me into the advisory banking realm. That led me to Goldman Sachs. I started out as an operations analyst in the client onboarding realm, essentially confirming that all the clients that Goldman Sachs onboarded were legit. They were LLCs or corporations. They were established either U.S. or internationally. Just making sure we did the due diligence on our clients. And Goldman Sachs wasn't the dream company that I wanted to work for, if I'm very frank. It was more of my plan D, (laughs) if I'm honest, because I didn't want to work for an investment bank because I knew what they had impacted in the 2008 recession. Right. The Goldman Sachs. That's interesting because I think a lot of people that graduate with a finance degree would be like, yo, Goldman Sachs is the fucking pinnacle of success. Like this is hashtag goals. So that's very interesting. (laughs) Yes. For me, it was not hashtag goals. I really wanted to work for an independent like RIA, which is like a registered investment advisor or a mutual fund company. Like that was kind of my vision of where I wanted to go with my skill sets. But it just wasn't aligning because in the state that I'm in, I just didn't fit the culture of these local businesses. <laughs> I'm mm. in Utah, so they tend to go in favor of the traditional either Mormon or white Caucasian individual, unfortunately. And I would never fit in the culture because I'd be the only person of color. And yeah. I just I would stand out like a red dot out there. <laughs> so <laughs> it was really hard for me to get those jobs. So all of a sudden, Goldman Sachs was my last option. Mm-hmm. And Essentially, when I got there, I felt rich. I felt Wall Street. They sent me out to New York for two weeks. And I got to see the life that these people 
that I would learn about in theory and in movies lived. I saw them. I saw the CEO of Goldman Sachs walking down the hallway as I was in that building training. And in my head, low key, deep down, I was like, they got bailed out. Like these people got bailed out during the recession. And here they are just living their best lives, not thinking about everything they did back in the day in 2008 and all the aftermath that happened. And I just decided to accept all of that. And like, you know what? I'm here for the job. I'm here for the money. I'm here to grow my career. I'm here to build something that was never built in my life. I'm the first gen Latina with an education in my family and now in the corporate industry. I'm the first. So I'm like experiencing these things and taking them in raw without really knowing what I'm signing up for. Mm. Let's talk about that. So I can imagine, especially being young, you maybe had this idea like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to change the system. I'm going to make them (laughs) care about people like me. What was the actual experience like for you? Because I imagine it's kind of hard to break down those huge barriers that exist in companies like that when it comes to caring about people who aren't fucking hedge fund millionaires. Yes. So it was wide opening because there was a few things. My experience was the first kind of six months to year, it's kind of like, googly-eyed. You're like, oh my God, I work for Goldman Sachs. This is amazing. They're teaching you. They're taking you out to lunch. And then you're going to all these events and connecting and networking. Then after that year, you kind of get hit with reality. You have to be competitive. You have to be on your toes, ready to cater to anyone who asks for your need. And for me, it was like, oh, all of a sudden, like these googly eyes that I had kind of like wiped off. And I was like, all right, reality check. Everyone wants a title. Everyone wants a bonus. And doesn't matter the quality of work you do. As long as you kiss ass to your managers, you're going to be solid. Like I saw so much favoritism and so much politics. And I didn't even understand this concept of politics in the business realm. Like that to me was already a whole other level of what the hell, (laughs) right? So there was these politics. There's also culture too. So through time, I lasted there four years. Through time, I was realizing that the culture is you give your all to Goldman Sachs. Like you are theirs. I felt like If I ever left Goldman Sachs, my opportunities would never be the same. If I even decided to even change teams, that I'd be doing a disservice to myself. And it wasn't until the last two years or year and a half of my career at Goldman Sachs that I was starting to wake up, like really wake up, take into consideration how I was feeling with my role, right? I never realized the impact a job could do on your mental health, on the way you hold yourself. Because like I said, once those googly eyes were wiped off, there was a sort of pressure that I felt because as a Latina, I should be grateful to be there, right? As a Latina, I need to take advantage to the fact that I'm here. And if I can change something, I wanted to, and I take advantage of that. But I still have to be grateful and I still have to be humble and I still have to be respectful and I can't say no. So this whole note, like always saying yes mentality set me back mentally. So like I said, third year, all of a sudden, I just started getting sad and depressed. And 
I was going into therapy. So they have this program called EAP, Employee Assistance Program, and a lot of corporations have this as a benefit. And I decided to go because there was something wrong. And I know mental health is real. Like there's a stigma also in the Latin community that it doesn't exist. But for me, it was very prominent. I couldn't wake up in the morning anymore. And I was just like, what's going on? Is it the hours? Because Girl, there was one day that I worked 18 hours and I kind of gave myself a pat on the back. I was like, yes, Leah, you did this. <laughs> I know how you feel, though. I think we've all had those moments that are just like that hustle mentality takes over and then you wake up and you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, no, I was just like, if I couldn't get out of bed because I worked 18 hour shift and then all of a sudden they want me in at seven in the morning the next day. And yet I'm like, what the fuck? Like, they just said, thank you. Next project, next initiative. And so I'm over here dedicating. I'm giving and giving and giving. And something has to take, right? It was me. It was my health. And that was one of the biggest factors was my mental health. I was diagnosed with severe depression and mild anxiety. And my therapist had said, I'm going to tell you the reason why you have this the most because 80% of this is because of your employer and because of your manager. So this is the company-sponsored mental health service telling you that your company is the problem. (laughs) Wow. I mean, at least they're objective. (laughs) Right. I mean, the thing is, the lady knew, like my therapist knew this was common. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Wall Street's not known for their focus on mental health. Like, let's be real. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think it was either Insider or Forbes just released an article about how working in the banking realm also has a major impact to your mental health. Yeah. (laughs) So it was that moment I was like, okay, I'm freaking depressed. And let me tell my managers I'm not okay. And I told my manager and this fool really came back saying, you know, Leah, you should be happy. You should be happy you're not this person who was my teammate who was a quadriplegic, okay? He had a physical disability. And he told me, at least you're not like him. He's happy with his life. You should be too. Wow. Oh my God. The audacity. I was triggered and I was like, something needs to go. Like something needs to happen here. So I shifted teams thinking this was going to be the transition. I was like, I need to get out of this more financial realm, like this onboarding process. Let me go into technology. Let me shift in technology because they say tech is better. (laughs) They say tech (laughs) is more fun and relaxed. It's still Goldman. (laughs) (laughs) No one told me that, okay? Right. (laughs) No one told me that it was still Goldman in the tech realm. I would just hear, oh yeah, I have like two hours off and I go home and take a nap and come back. And yet when they come back, they still work till midnight. You know what I mean? Mm. Like Mm -hmm. I entered the tech realm after that and same thing, but different problem. Uh This time I had a manager who was a micromanager She lived on the East Coast and I live in Mountain Standard Time. And she would call me at four in the morning expecting me to be on. She would also call me at 11 to midnight expecting me to cater to her. And I did it because I didn't know any better. I didn't know that I could say, yep, exactly. That mentality that I should be grateful here because my parents never had this opportunity, right? Mm. So that was it. I think I was like, okay, well... I'm drained. And then I had a gut feeling. I was like, I'm over here making $60,000 a year. I want to ask my colleagues what they're getting paid since it's almost comp season. 
my colleague was very close to me and I would love her, respect her dearly. And we were talking and she said, yeah, I'm getting paid 110000 And I kind of laughed and I was like, no, shut up. You're lying. <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> Oh my god! I I mean, I was making sixty k. That was my base. So that's what fifty k difference. Fifty k, fifty percent difference. Yeah. And I had mortgage. I had doggies to feed, and my doggies are like my children, man. And I was like, okay, if I'm adding all up, I'm kind of living paycheck to paycheck right now. I'm really depressed. This is the pandemic now at this time, right? I'm spending like no other. And I need a raise, like I need a raise for my efforts and my dedication to this company. And I had brought it up around December of last year. I'm like, hey, I know comp season's around the corner. Comp season was in January. And I had said, I'm looking forward to it. I know it was discussed when I transferred over that I'd be compensated in my value, right? My value. And they said, yes, we'll make sure you get your value, okay? And for me, I was already starting to do market research, right? And I was identifying that in my role, I was an associate product manager. They were getting paid around my city 80, 100K, right? So 80 to 100K just in my city beginners. So I was like, I'm a year in. So let's see what comes out, right? Comes out of this. And when comp season came around, we got a big old slap in the face with 69K. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, that's Goldman Sachs. <laughs> <laughs> but it's common. That's the thing. I'm not the only one who felt these frustrations. I'm just the only loud one to say something about it. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, I was giving, 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 and something had to take. And it was me. I was dying. I was mentally, physically exhausted. And no one in my life ever imagined that I would leave Goldman Sachs. Like no one, everyone around me thought I was going to stick to it. I was going to be the MD, which is a managing director and really showcase myself in this company. Right. But there was a fine line and that was the line, my compensation, my mental health, my efforts, essentially my value. I was like, that's something you can't take from me, my value. Because if I know what it is, if I know what I'm dedicating myself to, And you can't compensate me for all of that? Then no, no. So this is what sparked a side hustle. Mm, Yes. Okay, so let's dive into that. You realize you're severely underpaid. These bills need to get paid. So is that the impetus for your side hustle? Yes. I mean, I had no, no tenía de otra. I had no other option. It was like, my parents weren't going to pay me. I didn't want to go back to asking my parents for money. I was like, to me, that was like a setback, right? If I had to rely on my parents to help pay my bills, like I have this corporate job, they should be paying me my value. And for me, it was essentially, I have to do something for my community. And in this time, it was the pandemic. So a lot of people were starting their side hustles as well. So they were starting their businesses and they would come to me as a finance major because I also got a master's degree in finance. But I earned that at Goldman Sachs. And so people would come to me for assistance on how do I manage my business taxes? How do I even start an LLC? How do I open a bank account? How do I budget? And all these basic, to me, it was basic because I learned this in my education. But for them, it was something that was unfamiliar, right? And I was like slowly opening my eyes again to this possibility of helping my community further themselves in this financial realm, right? 
my fire that started way back in 2008 was because the financial system took everything from me. Therefore, I studied finance to help the community. So it was almost like a whip in the face. Like, Leah, remember, this is why you're here. This is why and you ironically, did all of this. They were taking everything from you in a different way. They were taking your mental health. They were taking your time. They were taking your value and undervaluing that. Just the fact that you mentioned that you had a master's in finance and they had the fucking audacity to pay you that salary, that shit took me to another level. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> well, I mean, and how was I going to know any different, right? I have PTSD too with this whole value thing because they determined my value. They said, this is your worth. And I said, no, because this is my worth outside of the company. They're like, well, you don't work outside of the company, do you? You have started here as an analyst and grown to an associate here. And that's what you get. We say what you get paid. There's no such thing as negotiating your salary. Like right. the politics in this company was you take what you get, you take it home, accept it, work harder next year. And be grateful. Yep. Yeah. So- and the side hustle was like my side income. And I didn't make much really to even think of it as a business in itself. It was more of like my friends were coming to me. My colleagues were coming to me for advice on the littlest things. And it just sparked some sort of joy. It sparked what I missed for the last four years. It was calming. And it was, I felt like I was doing the service that I needed to because growing up, my dad would always say, give back to the community in any way, shape or form. Remember where you come from, because even if you become successful at the end of the day, you have to remember where you started because that's never going away. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine that you giving financial advice or just education, access to tools, et cetera, and working in finance might be a conflict of interest. So let's talk about what happened once this side hustle came to light. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Yes. So I had mentioned the side hustle to one of my mentors and I had said, hey, I'm doing this on the side. It's nothing really prominent. I don't really have clients. It's just kind of free tips and tricks. And then also if someone wants to give me a little tip, I'll take it. What do you want me to do about this? What should I do essentially? Have you heard of other people have this type of side hustle? How does Goldman react to this? And they said, well, you know, there's a lot of us who have side hustles like in the restaurant business and we own all these other businesses and we just register it as an outside activity. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I register as a outside activity, this business. At this point, I had just barely registered my LLC within the state because I was thinking, okay, if I want to make money legally, I have to get the sales tax, the EIN and everything, right? I want to prepare for that. So let me create or hold off and create this LLC that I need for legal purposes. And so I disclose that information to a compliance. So anything of outside activity goes to compliance. And a few weeks later, I get a notice that it was denied. It's like, this is denied because according to our policy page, blah, 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 any employee of Goldman Sachs is not allowed to give any educational advice, interview advice, financial advice, coaching, blah, 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 blah. literally meaning my hands can't touch anything outside of Goldman. That is how I felt. And actually CC my manager because I had also disclosed to my manager, hey, I want to do this. I'm not in the financial realm anymore or like division. So this shouldn't be a conflict. And he said, no, it's not a problem. You should be good. And again, denied. They said, there's no wiggle room around this. This is the rules. Done deal. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. I was kind of in this limbo of what next, right? And I still was posting content on Instagram. I was posting tips, things I'm learning along the way, my journey. And one day, the first week of February, I get a call put on my calendar. Yeah, that's never good. That's how I got fired. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the call, that random calendar invite, man. It was nerve wracking because all of a sudden you could see who was on that calendar invite. And then I saw compliance, compliance, and then my senior manager. I never talked to this dude. He was just a supervisor. He never really talked to me as a person. So it was weird. And I was like, all right, this is it, Leah. This is it. <laughs> like, they're going to give you an ultimatum. I had a feeling because I just know how they work. I've been there long enough that I know how they work. They don't want mm-hmm. problems. They'll get rid of all their problems any way, shape, or form. So. I get on this call and luckily, I'm so grateful. I think it was a sign. I was with my parents. I came to visit for that weekend because it was my dad's birthday. So I was here with loving individuals and I go in a room and actually this room that I'm in right now is where it happened. So 
I get on this call and they say, hey, Leah, I think you should know about what this call is about. You have registered Land of Verde Collective LLC with the state of Utah. And I said, yes, I can confirm I've done that. They said, okay, well, we have reviewed your Instagram and have seen that you've been posting content, which in our eyes, this is inclining that you are inquiring clients, which could be a conflict of interest. First of all, why are they stalking my Instagram? Yo, facts. That's like <laughs> crazy. Oh my like, God. Like, why are they on there? Why are they watching me? Creepers, like, that's the first thing that triggered me. They're like, yeah, we saw your Instagram and your posting and announcing an event or something like that. I don't remember what it was. And this inclines that you are going to continue with this business. And I said, yes, I want to continue with this business. And they said, well, as an employee of Goldman Sachs, you're not allowed to have this business as your application was denied. And I don't remember what they had mentioned. They just said, you have two options, essentially. Close your LLC and you'll stay with Goldman Sachs or we'd have to discuss something further. And I had said, well, based on some other reasons happening externally with my own team, I'm thinking about resigning. I said, I'm thinking. I said, I'm thinking about resigning. These people took my words against me and said, all right, since you plan on resigning, please resign by end of day. Wow. And then I said, okay. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what am I supposed to say to that? Like, yeah, it's like they made the decision for you, essentially. Yeah. And I was kind of shocked. And then the call was over and tears came flowing out of my freaking eyes. And I was having a panic attack. Like my career was done because the next second, my senior manager, he didn't say freaking one word in this conversation, but he had the audacity to send me the link to resignation. Mm. That's all he said. He's like, here's the link. Wow. No call. No, how are you? Is there anything we can do to change your mind? Nothing. This man was like, here's a link. You're a problem. And they ask, go, just get out. And I walk out of my room and my parents are like, what happened? I looked like I hit a deer or something. And they're like, get the paso. And I was like, they essentially made me quit. They're making me quit. And my dad had came home from work early that day. This is now around like noon. He was coming in for lunch and he said, why are you crying? Don't cry. I was like, dad, this is my job. This is my career. This is how I make a living. This is how I pay for my mortgage. And then all of a sudden, like this whole trauma of like all my bills not being paid came on to me and I was crying even more. And he's like, hey, 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 Leah, relax. And I was like, okay. (laughs) They're like, it's okay. This is why we work. If anything happens to you guys, we can take care of you. Oh, man. And... Oh, man, I'm like, this is not what I wanted. Right. This is not the plan, papi. <laughs> no, <laughs> man. Like, yo esperaba to, my goal in life was to take care of them and not take yeah. care of me. Like, I was in this point in my life where I was like, okay, I'm going to plan the retirement, give them a mensualidad, thinking of all these things in the future. Then all of a sudden, they're like, no, we'll take care of you. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay, if you want to say so. And that's all I really needed was my dad saying it's okay. 
if anyone's going to humiliate you like that, they don't deserve you. They don't deserve you as their employee. Yeah. Because that's humillarse a uno. Like that is to bring someone to the lowest point and make them feel vulnerable. They made me feel so vulnerable. I felt like I didn't have any help because after that, I went back in. I got calls from my direct managers and they were just saying, Leah, take it back. We'll try to convince them. Like this whole changing the way I said things. I was like, no, what I said was what I meant to say. I don't want to take it back. I don't want to fight. I don't want to do anything. Like this is like fight or flight mode. And I was like, I'm out. Like if this is it, like this is a sign for me to just get out. Yeah. How the hell could you actually go back into that environment and just go like, go back to pretending like it, everything's cool. Like I could never. Right. One of my coworkers had called me. He's like, Leah, you should have known better not to say these things. And if you come back, like, you're right. They're not going to treat you the same. They're going to give you some sort of pressure, some sort of just like you're disgraced. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're not going to have the same career because it's known in this culture that if you challenge Goldman Sachs, good luck, your career's over. Like, yeah. So either way, if I would have stayed, my career would have been over. I would have been set back a few years. And all these false promises because they had mentioned, oh, you'll be vice president if you stay, blah, blah, blah. It wouldn't have happened because I challenged the system. Mm-hmm. And no one was giving me answers. Like people were calling me saying, what did you do? Like I felt like it was my fault, man. And I was like, this shouldn't be my fault. This is just me pursuing a side hustle because I want to help my community. And Because you're not that- fucking paying me. How about that? <laughs> yes. I'm just like. My community needs me more than y'all. I don't care. Like at this point, it was my passion over my paycheck. An hour after that, I signed that freaking link that man gave me and it was done. And people were calling me left and right saying, why'd you do that? This, you should have held off. You should have waited for them to fire you. How was I supposed to know all these things? I wasn't taught the system, this corporate system, how it works. And at the end of the day, like these corporations are lawyered up. They're ready to fight. And my little person mind was like, I have no one. And I just want to get out of this problem because who else is going to help me? None of these people. Everyone who I thought I had my back could do nothing for me. Mm. So I was like, I'm done. Me voy a limpiar las manos. I'm wiping my hands and saying, it's done. Ya no más. I don't want this anymore. Ooh, that is quite a story. And I know when I heard it for the first time on Instagram, I'm like, yo, I need to get her on the podcast because this is fucking wild. Okay. And it's funny because both of us have the experience of being exposed by our employers because I had the same exact experience. So somebody allegedly outside of the company, I'm just like, okay, sure. Mm Because I don't have any fucking friends here at work. So I'm like, whatever. (laughs) They're like, oh, they sent my boss my Instagram. And at that point, that was like earlier in 2021 when I was already talking about like, I have reached fire. I'm going to quit. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. And she literally like scheduled a meeting with me, pretended like everything was cool. Like we had our whole discussion about like what's on your agenda for the week. What's the status of these projects? And then at the end, she's like, so I wanted to ask you something because somebody brought up your social media to me and I wanted to know if you're planning on quitting your job. And I'm just like, now that you mention it, yes, I actually am. Because I'm like, what the fuck am I going to say? Like, at what's the point, point at this point? And I was actually planning on waiting till later in the year to quit. But at the same time, I had also reached that breaking point, like from a mental mm-hmm. health standpoint of just like, I can't even get up out of bed to do this fucking job anymore. So I feel like it was the universe just letting me know like, girl, this season is done. Here's the push that you refuse to take. And at the end of the day, here I am, September 2021. 
I've already over doubled my corporate salary that I worked 14 years to get to them paying me. And I'm just like, yo, I didn't need y'all motherfuckers for nothing. But (laughs) cool. (laughs) I got my own bag. (laughs) Right. We got our own bag. And so I think in the moment it feels just like insane, but everything happens for a reason. I truly do believe that. So I want to talk about like that next morning, right? So you have this crazy ass day. You quit your job. What does that next morning feel like? Like, what was the plan? (laughs) Yo, I woke up (laughs) in la depre, as they say, like freaking in depression, in the season of it all, because my whole vision of my career just exploded. It was gone. It didn't exist anymore. And there was no going back, right? There's a name marked on me. Like there's a check mark on me at this company now. I could never go back. I could never face it again. So my friends had called me. They thought, oh, my God, that's so amazing. They looked at me like I did the best thing. And in my eyes, I was like, I did the worst thing. And it took two weeks of sitting in my bed, crying my eyes out, not being able to talk about it, to realize that version of me died. And essentially, I was mourning for two weeks straight because that was the person I thought I needed to be, but it wasn't meant for me. Right. Like you Mm. said, everything happens for a reason. Let's say that again. So people can hear that. That person (laughs) is not who you needed to be anymore. Nope. It wasn't for me. She had died. She was unaligned with my life. Mm. And you know how life likes to do it. They like to do it hard. They like to (laughs) come in there and just. Aprendiendo las malas, as my mother says. Exactly. That's how it is. <laughs> Yo. And in those two weeks, man, I was just like, all right, this is it. What do I do now? And my dad, my dad's this type of person. He doesn't believe in feelings. <laughs> you know, machismo. Hello, culture. Latino men. We're talking about every single one of you. <laughs> he walks around saying, no tengo feelings, Leah. Don't cry. No tenemos feelings. And I'm just like, okay, I'm a cancer. I'm an emotional baby. <laughs> and I literally got out of my room after the two week depression. He's like, all right, Leah. I said, dinero, come on, it's time to work. And I'm just like, really? Like, <laughs> God, you didn't even let me enjoy this moment. Like, I just came out of the freaking, the dirt of the soil of my graveyard. I just like literally came out of that. And I'm reborn, okay? Like, give me a second. And he was like, all right, Leah. Satrucha, as Salvadorans like to say. And I was like, all right, it's time to make money. And so... I started out with like just small business and financial consults. I didn't even know what coaching was really at this time. I was still so new to this idea of money coaching. And luckily, you know, I had your podcast to listen to (laughs) and like really get me inspired and say, okay, these are all the opportunities. I know the theory. I have the background. It's just a matter of feeling vulnerable with my mindset to share that with people because people want to know what I'm going through because they probably went to something similar. Yeah. And so I had a this whole mindset towards my culture, like cultural experience at Goldman Sachs and that whole entire thing. Like I needed to be able to share that and I needed to share my money experience. At this time, I was $40,000 in debt, okay, as well. Yikes. I had too much house. I had too much spending and I was in La Depre and so – Chollando la tarjeta, like, which is sliding the credit card. Mm-hmm. Or just like literally shopping addiction, a.k.a. Yeah. <laughs> what it is. To um, cope with the mental health stuff that you were dealing yeah. with at work. And so I had to like wake up. I'm like, all right, I need to make money. 
to pay my mortgage or I need to figure out a way to have less expenses. And all in all, I just hustled. Like I started posting and people were resonating and all of a sudden it was 50 followers to 100 followers to then one client to six clients to 10 clients. And it was just, people needed me. Like that was like the sign. It like was so reassuring that people wanted to work with me because they resonated and they felt my pain. They felt my money story. They felt who I was and resonated with that. And that's all I needed, man. That's all I needed to know that I was in the right place. Mm. That is so powerful. And I think it just speaks to when you're aligned with your purpose, like it's not difficult. It's really not. Like it's just a matter of you having the cojones to put yourself out there and be like, I have something to say. I have something to share. I can help you. Let me do that. And then see what happens. Yeah. No, it really is. This whole entrepreneurship is a beast. (laughs) And I saw my parents go through it. I didn't realize all the things that they had to do in order to make money and live. And so here I am now an entrepreneur. Did I imagine myself being an entrepreneur? If you would have asked me in January of this year, (laughs) hell to the motherfucking nah. I would have been like, you tripping, right? Like, no, (laughs) no, this wasn't my plan. And that's what I realized this year is that there is no such thing as a plan. We can prepare, but life hits us in waves and we just have to be ready for them, Mm -hmm. right? Because I wish I would have had that emergency fund ready for me or that fuck it fund, right? That everyone saves up for. And I believe Mm -hmm. you had one too, right? I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I wish I would have had all that and prepared, but this wasn't like the plan. This wasn't what I envisioned myself. I envisioned, you know, maybe having a side hustle, give me some side income to then when I Hopefully in this pretend world that I get a VP promotion, that I get my value, I could catch up. But this whole idea of one day, it doesn't work out like that. We always say one day we'll invest, one day we'll save, one day we'll pay off our debt when we're ready. No, honey, it's now. And Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known that a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So how has your life changed now that you're on this new path? Like, do you ever see yourself going back to corporate or are we just done with that shit? Or it's just like, you don't know. I don't want to go back to corporate, but I do want to work with an independent, either registered investment advisor or planner for the reasons that I'm working towards my CFP. The vision, the goal, like the mission here is to create my own independent RIA where it's Latin queer owned with all my employees being queer or Latin or a person of color Either way, I just want the most diverse team if I ever, when I get there, I'm manifesting this. But with the business now, I've been given connections, a network that is stronger than like those metal chains you see on the streets. Like my connections here are stronger than ever. I finally feel a sense of community because for so long, I was the only Latina studying finance. For so long, I was the only person of color knowing how to invest. And in my classes, when I got my master's degree, I was the only brown girl. When I got my bachelor's degree, I was the only brown girl. And now when I started connecting with other money coaches like yourself, it was like, wow, we all share the same vision. We all share the same mission. And we all come from different backgrounds. Don't get me wrong. We all have different money stories. But at the end of the day, we are so in tune with one another And so alike as well that to me, this was everything I needed. And even now I've 
gotten exposure in places that I never thought I would have, right? I'm making connections with reporters and all these other individuals and getting invited to podcasts. I never imagined this for myself. And it makes me so happy that I can spread the message on money and share the education there is available about financial literacy and how to prepare for moments like this and how to actually have a financial future that doesn't require having your cash stuss, like stuffed in the mattress. <laughs> like nuestras mamás, they would put our money, like my mom would put money under the mattress. For some reason, she didn't trust the bank, right? And that's a whole different topic of, of money trauma. But I want people to feel confident and be able to make decisions, not because of they don't have money, but because they can, because they have the option and the freedom to do it. And that's what wealth is, is freedom, right? Yeah. You know, when I look at you as well with financial independence, you have time on your hands. You can do what you want, when you want, how you want it now. And that's what we should all want in our lives is to be able to control what we want to have and build. Absolutely. And we all start from different places. So if you talk to Janice like five years ago, this idea of financial independence was A, something I hadn't even heard of at that point. And B, when I did, it was just like, well, these are all like white dudes doing this shit. So there's no mm-hmm. fucking way that I can do this, right? And so that's why it's so important, the work that you do, the work that so many people in our community do to normalize the idea that yes, wealth is also for us, but we have to start with the foundational. We got to start with just being comfortable talking about money. Mm -hmm. We have to start being comfortable thinking, what else could I do beyond like the struggle? Because I think for a lot of us, that's all we've seen. So that's Mm -hmm. what we assume is just what's the only option, right? And so it's important for us to normalize the idea that we can do more, we can do better. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that. Mm -hmm. You just got to surround yourself with the people who will continue to reinforce that message for you. Exactly. A hundred percent. I think for so long we've been underserved and we haven't seen anyone advocate for us. But now more than ever, there is many of us trying to spread the message and make you feel comfortable with this concept of money because we've feared money our whole entire lives because the financial system wasn't made for us, wasn't made for us to progress and build that generational wealth. Like The white community has for centuries, right? They're the reason the stock market exists. And so it's more about sharing your money story and feeling comfortable to talk about your current circumstances and ask for help. Because yes, we all want to invest, girl. It's important. Don't get me wrong. But if our mind isn't right, if our habits aren't aligned, this whole investing won't work because we'll fear a drop We'll want to bounce out of it because it's not what we want, right? We're like, no, I don't want to lose money. No, 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 no. I want to keep it. I want to keep it, right? And so it's this money mindset and accepting our journey and accepting our struggles and really saying, I'm going to break through this. I'm going to take ownership of what has happened. And this is my now. And I'm going to learn and I'm going to take ownership of what happens in the future and prepare, Prepare for what's next in life because nothing's guaranteed. Your job can be taken away from you in seconds. You can quit all of a sudden, not plan. You never know. Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. Such an important message. 
So I'm curious, what is your money mantra? Do you have something or something that you read or say to yourself to just affirm abundance and wealth in your life? Yes. On my good days when I'm feeling great, (laughs) I don't chase. I attract what will be for me will find me. And on days where my money mindset is on the scarcity side, because that's always going to happen, trickles in sometimes. I say, I forgive myself for my past poor money choices. Mm. That is fucking powerful. And you are so powerful. This story is so powerful. For folks who are inspired AF by listening to you and want to find out more about you, work with you, follow your journey, where's the best place for us to find you and how can we work with you? Yes, on Instagram at Verde. That's where I'm prominently share my money story, money tips. And then on Twitter, I like to just share whatever. I love Twitter. It's like my <laughs> money diary. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I'm mostly hanging out. Excellent. And you offer one-on-one coaching and what else? Yes. So currently, I'm just offering one-on-one coaching. Okay. I try to do a master class at least quarterly. The journey takes time. Entrepreneurship takes time. Can only take so much, right? We're learning. Yes. That's what I'm doing for now. That's amazing. Leah, thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you for turning what for many could be just like a situation that makes you close up and shy away into something that has become transformational. Just by listening to your story, you're changing so many lives and you are a constant inspiration to me and so many. So thank you so much for being here. Muchas gracias, Janice. Likewise as well. You're very powerful and poderosa. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, Sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of The Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On 
the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.